I wonder if it feels like your life is on hold at the moment. As if the things that make life worthwhile, you're just having to do without them for the time being, while you wait for lockdown to end and some sort of normality to restart. Maybe you'd have some aims normally for the week or the month or the year ahead, and for the moment it is, but there's not much point having aims. I'm just getting through the week, just hoping to get through the time, to better times ahead. Does it feel like life is on hold? Lockdown raises questions. It raises questions about what is living that is more than just surviving? What should our aims be? What is the goal of of this life that I'm in? And so this morning, our topic is life for the glory of God. Life for the glory of God. I said last week that we're going to have some messages, God willing, uh, relating to this situation we're in, gone into another lockdown. Uh, And this morning's is life for the glory of God. I'll be pretty impressed if you've got a good enough memory to notice that's different from what I said last week. Last week I said we'd have, uh, what was it? Life in the overlap of the ages, life to the full, and then life under authority. And I've... I'm thinking now it's going to be, we've had life in the overlap of the ages, today life to the glory of God, then life under authority, and then life under the shadow of death. But this morning, life for the glory of God. Now, it's going to be different from normal this morning. We normally, as you know, take one part of the Bible and work through it. But today is much more topical. We haven't got one part of the Bible to look through. We've got a topic that we'll find in many different parts of the Bible, and we will at some time turn to those parts. The notice sheet might help you to follow, as you don't have a passage to follow. But there's basically going to be two parts to this. First of all, life for the glory of God, establishing from the Bible that this is what life is about. And then lockdown for the glory of God, some examples of how we can live this life still. How we should still in lockdown be aiming for the glory of God. So let's begin with life for the glory of God and that we were made for God's glory. Well, we'd better start with what it means to glorify God. God's glory, what is this phrase that comes up so much in the Bible and we might have a vague idea about, but what quite does it mean? God's glory. It means the display of his character. It means the impressiveness of who he is being made known. It means his love and wisdom, his power and his purity and all of that amazing character that God has being made known and being admired. And so for us to be, to glorify God is us being part of his character being made known. Is us being part of displaying how great God is. It's sometimes in the Bible called magnifying God. Magnifying God. Now, children, can you think of things you might magnify? You might find a little bug in the garden and look at it through a magnifying glass because it's tiny. And so you make it look bigger with a magnifying glass. But magnifying God is not like that. It's not he's small and we must make him look big. Think instead of stars in the sky. 
How might you magnify stars in the sky? Or you might look at them through a telescope. Is that because they're small? No, they're big and they're splendid. But you look at them with a telescope to see them better. God is big and he is splendid, but most people don't see him clearly. And he seems so distant. And so we are to try to display him, to make known how big and splendid he is. And we were made for that. We were made for God's glory. Let's think back to the beginning of the Bible. We won't turn to it at the moment, but think back to the beginning. And we read about us humans being made. And we read that we were made to be the image of God. In other words, to be a reflection of God. To reflect to the world something of what God is like. Now children, there are images that you see all the time. If you look on a coin, one side of every coin has an image on it. And if you get a letter in the post, the stamp has an image on it. And if you go into a police station or a town hall, you might see that same image of a person on the wall. Who is it? It is, of course, the Queen. The image of the Queen is all over the place. What, why is her image there? It's to tell you she rules, she's the head of this country, we're in her country. All those images are reminders, we're in her country and she's the head who gets the honour. And we are a bit like that. We were made to be images of God, to, to be reminders and little displays of God the King. To remind the world that God rules. And so the Bible keeps telling us that the aim of life is the glory of God. I'll give you some examples. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. Or in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amazing, even the little details of life. And then to go right to the end of the Bible, Revelation, the Bible ends with, Revelation 15, who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? Who will not do it? In other words, that's what everyone is here for. That's what everyone should be doing. We were made for God's glory. But we were also remade, remade for God's glory. I've talked about us being in the image of God, made to reflect God. What do you have in your home, children, that reflects things? Probably in your bathroom, possibly on the wall somewhere. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? A mirror. Think of us as being like a mirror that is to reflect God. Well, we're a mirror that's got broken. Not so shattered into thousands of pieces that it's no longer a mirror, but... Have you seen on the mirror, there's that silvery stuff on the back. I'm sure someone here knows what it is. I don't. Well, that started to get peeled off. And the mirror, I don't even know if this is possible with glass, but it's got distorted and the, and the image in it looks wonky. And it's certainly covered with a lot of mud. It's still a mirror, but it's a very bad mirror. And that's us. There's still something of the image of God in us, but it's got so broken. 
And Jesus came to remake it. Jesus came to remake the mirror so we would properly reflect God again. Now, the problem is, we're so surrounded by broken mirrors, we are broken mirrors in a world full of broken mirrors, how do we know what it looks like to properly reflect God? Can we find anywhere an unbroken mirror so we can see what it's like to properly reflect God? How do we tell? How the answer is, the Son of God came as the perfect mirror the perfect unbroken image of God. Colossians chapter 1, he is the image of the invisible God. And he came to make us like him. Romans chapter 8 says God's plan is to conform us to the image of his son, to remake us like Jesus so we bring glory to God again. And that is why we read Ephesians chapter 1, right back at the beginning. Do you remember at the beginning of the service, Ephesians chapter 1, that great description of what God has done for us and of what God has done in us, and what did it keep saying? It described a bit and then it said, to the praise of his glorious grace. And it described a bit more and it said, to the praise of his glorious grace. And it described a bit more and it said, and this is all to the praise of his glory. It's all about glorifying God. God made you to display his glory, to show something of what he's like as creator. And then Jesus remade you to display God's glory, to show his grace, his undeserved goodness, that he's the amazing God who remakes broken, undeserving people. And that's amazing good news, isn't it? Jesus came to mend broken people. What good news. Do you feel broken? Anyone here today particularly feeling your brokenness? Jesus came to mend broken people. Will you trust him to remake you? Oh, by the way, that shows you what real faith is like. Real faith isn't just, oh yes, I agree with what the Bible says about Jesus. Real faith is, I'm a broken person. And I need to be remade, and I'm trusting Jesus to do that. Are you? Will you? But Jesus came to do more than that. He didn't just come to remake us. He came for this. Here's the next thing. Life is for God's glory because we've been reconciled for God's glory. Made for God's glory, remade for God's glory, and reconciled for God's glory. Now, children, I wonder if any of you have been to London and I wonder if you've seen a big, impressive building called Westminster Abbey. And just under 400 years ago, a load of church leaders met in Westminster Abbey to write a summary of what the Bible teaches, to write a summary of the Christian faith. And they began it with this. What is the goal of human life? What are we here for? What's the point? What's the purpose? They said, what's the chief end of man? But that sounds a bit funny to us. Is my chief end my head or my feet? But they meant, what's the goal of human life? And they said, it's this. It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And they didn't just make that up. They got it from the Bible. And they were quite right to identify those two things, glorify and enjoy God. And they go together. The two go together. 
Jesus didn't just come to remake us. He came so we could enjoy God. And for that, he had to die and rise again so we could know God. The gospel is full of this. For example, that's why he's called Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why he came and said, this is eternal life, to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And so the Bible is full of expressions of enjoying God. There was a man in the Old Testament and he got really down looking at how his life was going badly and unbelievers' life was going well until, until he was reminded again of this. He said, whom have I in heaven on apart from you? And there's no one on earth I desire beside you. He, he was reminded again of how he enjoyed God. Or in the New Testament, one, uh, Peter wrote to Christians and he said, you haven't seen Jesus, but you love him. And you rejoice with joy indescribable and full of glory. And he said to those same Christians, when we became Christians, that was the beginning of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Jesus came so we could know and enjoy God. And it's not hard to see how enjoying God goes together with glorifying God. I'll try to show it with an example. Here's a made-up example. Let's imagine two married couples. Adam married Beatrice, but sadly he fairly quickly found out that Beatrice was an unpleasant, rude, difficult, bad-tempered woman. And he kept his vows to her, but he didn't really enjoy being with her. And it shows. That's Adam and Beatrice. Carl married Dorothy. By the way, I hope you've noticed my alphabetical names. And this is just in case there's anyone called Adam, Beatrice, Carl or Dorothy listening so they don't feel got at that I've just made up some alphabetical names. Carl married Dorothy. And Dorothy is very different from Beatrice. Oh, yes, she she is lively and cheerful and respectful and kind. And all that Beatrice isn't. And, yes, Carl... He keeps his vows, but in a quite quite different way, because he enjoys being with Dorothy, and it shows. Now, which wife is more glorified? Which wife is more honoured by that marriage? They both get some honour, you could say, because both of them have husbands who keep their vows to them, care for them, look after them, and I would say love them in a sense. But Dorothy is far more honoured, isn't she? Because it shows that her husband enjoys being with her. God is so good. And the best way to joy is to know him. And the best way to glorify God, the best way to show what he is like, is to enjoy him. Just like Dorothy, if I've remembered which way around I've got the names, is glorified by who was it, Carl, enjoying her and it's showing that he enjoys her. And so God making us for his glory isn't selfish and unloving, no. Because it happens through, God is glorified through giving himself to us and us enjoying him and that showing. This is how eternal life is such a wonderful combination of glory to God and joy for us. Because it's all about experiencing, knowing God forever. 
Well, you might say, I thought we were getting a message to help with lockdown. I thought this was going to be about lockdown. Well, yes, it is. But lockdown raises these issues of what is life about? What are we here for? What is living that is more than just surviving and getting through till things get better? We must get that right. It's all for God's glory. But now we can move on to this. We can hear about four practicalities in lockdown. So we've had life for the glory of God. Now lockdown for the glory of God. And and the first thing I want to point out is glorifying God usually involves other people. It usually involves other people. Uh, You can see that in many places in the Bible. I'll read a few to you. You might want to turn to the first one because I've got a few verses to read in Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'm trying to show you that glorifying God usually involves other people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Or it could be translated, glorify your Father in heaven. Now notice it's not tell people about your good deeds. It's not put them on Facebook or tweet them like a politician so that people look at you and say what a good person you are. It's do good deeds that benefit others so that they give glory to God. Not to you, but to God. Because you are being a reflection of the God who is so full of goodness to us. And so you will be someone through whom that goodness flows out to others and they see it. Not to attract attention to you, but to show the God who you are reflecting. Or another Well, I was going to say another place we could look at. I'm just going to mention a whole collection of places here. In the Psalms, you will so often read, glorify God in the assembly of the righteous. In other words, church, gathered together to glorify God. It is one of the prime ways God is glorified, us coming together to worship him. I mentioned earlier 1 Corinthians 10. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You might think that's odd. Why does it say eat or drink? And the answer is there were arguments in the church about what you should eat and what you should drink. And you look at the context, the chapter it's in, and in so many other places it's saying, like in so many other places, it's saying glorify God by how you relate to each other in the world, in the church. Those times in the church where you rub shoulders with each other and there can be frictions and there can be disagreements. Glorify God by how you relate to each other. So often, usually, how we glorify God is in relationship with other people. That stands to reason because it means display God and we display him to others. It means reflect God and he's a God of love. And so we reflect him by love to others. Why am I mentioning this? I'm starting with this one because it it just reminds us lockdown is very undesirable. 
It may be necessary. I'm not commenting on that. That's not my place to question whether it's necessary or not. I'm just saying, remember, it is very undesirable. It reduces our opportunities to glorify God. It cuts across some of our main ways of glorifying God. And so I hope you are praying for lockdown to end soon. I hope you're praying for vaccination programs to be successful. I hope you're praying for much more togetherness to be coming about soon. Because we need that for our main ways of glorifying God. Our opportunities are reduced, but we still have lots of opportunities. So let's move on and let me give you a few. So we've started with, we usually glorify God together with others, but we still can glorify God. Here are some ways. This is why we read Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We glorify God by displaying his character. And the fruit of the Spirit is a very good description of God's character. It's a description of what Jesus was like. And remember, he is the perfect image of God, display of God. Can you have the fruit of the Spirit in lockdown? Yes. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit might show up more clearly in lockdown because stresses and strains, which we certainly have at the moment, tend to show up that fruit of the Spirit better. When will patience show up more clearly? When you're lying on the beach in the sun this summer or when you're stuck at home now? I think clearly the latter. When will joy and kindness seem more remarkable? When, hopefully in a few months' time, you're out for a meal with some friends for two hours? Or when you're teaching children day after day after day because school is closed? Under which circumstance will joy and kindness seem more remarkable? I think the stresses and strains of lockdown give us an extra way that we can display God's character, glorify him. And that, that's, that example I've just given, teaching your children at home, parents, please do remember, at home with your family, I think it's the number one place for you to display God's glory. I heard of a boy who one Sunday morning said to his parents, can we do things the opposite way round from normal this Sunday? Can we be... Cheerful and kind to each other and grumpy and miserable with people at church. Now, do you see what he was getting at? He had noticed with his family that we are grumpy and miserable with each other at home and we get to church and we're cheerful and kind there. Well, we might laugh at that a bit, but it's actually really sad and really bad. If our children look and think, how you are at church is a show and how you are at home, grumpy and miserable. Now, I know we all have things that get us grumpy and miserable. But we've got this opportunity under stresses and strains to be a better display of God's character, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you glorify God by those who live with you or maybe those who are in your bubble now seeing God's character in you? But we can even glorify God when no one sees. You can glorify God when no one sees. Are you still in Matthew chapter 5? If you turn to Matthew 5, you could turn over to Matthew 6. 
Matthew 5 says, glorify, let your light shine. Glorify God by people seeing your good works. And then Matthew 6 says, well, you can glorify God when no one except God sees. Matthew 6 takes three examples, giving to the needy, praying and fasting. And it says, do them with an audience of one, God. It's not in contradiction to Matthew 5, because remember, Matthew 5 says you don't do them to attract attention to self, but to reflect God. Matthew 6 says, do your giving to the needy, your praying and your fasting with an audience of one, not to impress others, but to glorify God with him seeing. Matthew 6 is about doing things unseen, and it gives these three examples Giving, praying, fasting. There are things you can do that only God sees that bring glory to him. I think of it a bit like this. I don't know if this will work for you, but think of it a bit like this. Matthew 5 is being like a mirror, directly reflecting God to people. And Matthew 6 is being a bit like a solar panel. You receive from God. You are shaped by God. It does have effects but other people don't see that you are the link. It produces light to the world, but without it's not a direct reflection. People don't necessarily see that you are the one that is the channel. And it raises the question, are you willing to be an unseen channel? Let me give you an example. As most of you know, New Life Community Church has a food bank for the needy. And one day someone put a gospel leaflet in one of the food parcels and a man who received the food parcel read that leaflet and it got him thinking and he found out more and he turned to the Lord Jesus for salvation. Now, putting the leaflet in the bag was an unseen thing. God knows who did it, but we don't. And the last I heard, nobody could figure out who did it. Giving to the food bank so that it, this sort of stuff can actually happen is an unseen thing. God knows who gives, but we don't. Praying for the food bank and praying for people to be saved is an unseen thing. God knows who prays, but we don't. But the result is God's glory displayed by the needy being cared for, by someone being saved. Do you see there? is how we can do things that we're being like a solar panel. It's not like a mirror directly reflecting. We may not be seen, but it can still bring glory to God. Lockdown reduces our abilities to be a mirror. We still have them, but they're reduced. But you've still got plenty of ways you can glorify God in your unseen actions. One more. There are, there are many ways you can glorify God in lockdown. I'll give you one more. One more. Enjoying God. Enjoying God. In fact, some people have more time at the moment to do that. Let's have a little think about it. Imagine a teenager playing on his PlayStation 4, his PS4. And you say to the teenager, why are you playing on your PS4? He says, well, uh, there's this rule in my family that I have to spend 30 minutes a day playing on the PS4. I'm expected to play for 30 minutes a day. So I'm getting my playing on my PS4 out of the way, and then I've got it done for today, and then I can move on. Now, do you reckon that's what happens? 
I doubt there's any families that have a rule. You must play on your PS4 for 30 minutes a day. And the teenager thinks, oh, well, I must. I'll get my playing out of the way. Then I can do what I like. I would imagine instead it is that teenager enjoys playing on his PS4. And he thinks this is what will give me enjoyment. And even when he's frustrated with Minecraft trying to figure out what to do, he perseveres with it because he thinks eventually I'll get some satisfaction out of this. Now, I don't know any rule in the Bible that says you must read the Bible and pray for 30 minutes a day. I don't think there is such a rule. But I do know the Bible says God is the source of supreme joy. The way to joy is knowing him. So spend time getting to know him. This isn't a rule, you must read the Bible and pray for 30 minutes a day. No, but it's saying spend time getting to know him. Read his message to you. Speak to him. Show that, like the teenager on Minecraft, you think even when you're struggling with two chronicles and trying to figure out what it means, you think actually it's worth persevering because there is satisfaction to be had in listening to what God says to me. And I'm seeking him. Show you think it's worth getting to know him. And you can still do that in lockdown, rather obviously. Lockdown is highly undesirable. It does reduce our opportunities because glorifying God is normally mainly done in close contact with others. So please do pray for God to have mercy and us to get through this quickly. But there are still so many ways, even this week, that your life can reflect God and you can bring him glory. Is that your aim? And will you do so?